Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To the sweet sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson and back in our home base together. It's hump day. We're Swanee and friends. Oh. Sam Richards, Dade <laughs> Swan, and guest friend Chris Johnson. What were you laughing at? <laughs> I was just thinking, we've all got our headsets on, but Swanee hasn't. No, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I can hear you all. I don't know if you You're all in the same room. So. I don't know if you know this about Dane Swan, but he runs his own race. Well, there's no, I don't understand the point in all having headphones on. We can all hear each other. Makes it sound important. Yeah, well, I know. That's what it is. And I'm the least important in the room, so that's fine. Oh, sugar. Fellow northern suburbs legend, Dane, have you, your paths crossed along the way? You couldn't, yeah. couldn't be too far apart, could you? Yeah, no, plenty of times. Yeah. My um, my cousins and that went to school with, with Adam. I think I played footy with him at the Cannons. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I've known the Johnson family f- forever. Very yeah. nice. Um. Chris, appreciate you coming in. Um, the uh, you just got back from the Gabba, Dane. Yeah, did you go up? No, nah, no, nah, I don't get invited up on those big games. No, once, uh. no I invited myself up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh. Did you make the broadcast? I was driving, so I, could, I was listening, oh, I don't to know. watching. I don't know. No one. We, we would have been told if you did this time behind the glass. I was hard. Uh, <laughs> I was out in the open air, but they're not bad. The boxes there. Yeah, they were right. Yeah, Good atmosphere, wasn't it? Yeah, Thursday night football. We used to play a fair bit on Thursday night football up there. Is that but when you bashed up Nick Rewald? No, 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 no. We're always, always, always Brisbane Collingwood yes. Thursday nights at the Gabba. Um, but wasn't there a controversial one with Nick Rewell? Yeah, right? there was, there was. Mean, I, I, mean old Brisbane. I actually Bears. helped Nick back to the goal square where uh, Chris and Brad and Mel Michael just bashed him <laughs> while he had a broken collarbone. I was trying to help Nick. Imagine what you imagine you get. You get six weeks for that now, wouldn't you? You'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd have to do an apology. How soft the world is, you know. There's a few going around at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> So what was the what was the gabba like, please, Dave? It was good. It's yeah. like like John says, it's always a good atmosphere up there. Obviously, the pies didn't win, but um, it was loud. It's a nice, and the weather's always nice, which helps. Mm. So um, it's a nice ground to watch footy up. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those boutique stadiums, isn't it? That's yeah. what you need. Yeah. I reckon that's what Melbourne needs. Like you, yeah. you've got your Marvels and you've got the MCG. I reckon they just need another smaller stadium for those. Like if you have yeah. Gold Coast play down here, they, they don't get a lot of crowd. No, well, but no. the sound and the atmosphere when you've got someone—they're all on top of you. 
Yeah. And you've played there as well, but they're all on top of you there, and especially when you play Collingwood, it gets a packed house. Yeah, like I the think like the pay, like, it's only like 37,000. I thought it would be like, I thought it was like about 50,000. No, yeah, but it, yeah, 30 says so small, but um, it was good. The The biggest issue was it was a, it was Good Friday the next day, and <laughs> they still have this archaic law up there where everything shuts at midnight. Like, I, don't know, I don't know if they'll well, slavery, you're not allowed to serve alcohol on yep. Good Friday unless it's being served with food, bottle shops are closed. I was like, in this multicultural world we live in, our fucking Queensland is still run by this archaic <laughs> religious law is fucking beyond me. So everything, so all the bars finished at midnight. Yeah. So like, by the time you get out, by the time you get out of the footy and you in box stage finishes at ten thirty eleven. Yeah. Mate, you had to go to like a pub on the corner. It was just full of footy heads there. So and then midnight it was shut. They like, couldn't go anywhere. Well, it was the same when we moved up there. When we first yeah. moved up there in, in what it's was it? They're so backwards up there. They're so slow. 90, 98, I think it might have been. 97, 97 when we <laughs> got up there. John Barker and I lived in a, uh, for the first uh, eight weeks, we lived in a hotel room. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. lived in a hotel well, That's when the merge happened and yeah. everything. And we would be driving around after five o'clock in the afternoon. Everything closed. The only thing open was service stations. <laughs> so we'll have one. You know those hot chicken rolls that you yeah. put in the microwave. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was our dinner. Beautiful. <laughs> Restaurants closed. Everything. It was just dead as anything in the uh, late nineties. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, Swanee. Doesn't Mate, surprise I couldn't believe me it's at all. Like this all-inclusive world that we live in. Like, why are we governed by a religious like holiday? That and you're a skeptic. Yeah, yeah I'd be down. Be like, you would eat fish all day. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do much that Friday. First day, I was a little under the weather after a big Wednesday, Thursday, but. Um, man, it's baffling to me in this day and age that, like, what about if you're not religious and you want to open your own cafe? Like, the fact that they yeah. still have those laws up there on Friday, like, you literally you couldn't go to the bottle shop, not bars aren't open, you're only allowed to serve alcohol with food, um, and everything shuts at midnight on the Thursday. So, it ruins a good day, but um, <laughs> so it's not a good Friday for you, it's a fucked Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, well, no one's religious. All people are, but like well, I'd say, there's a lot. I wouldn't say no. Well, I would say there's let there's the religion's fading. I think, but mm. like you should be have the uh, you should have the option to have be go and eat if you're not supply and demand laws, Dane. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. So, but anyway, that's there's also it. other religions other than just that's what I mean. And they're they're open. True. Like it's Greek Easter this weekend. Do we have do we have Monday off? No. No. Exactly. So. Uh, maybe we can rotate. Maybe we can rotate the public. Ho- maybe we can rotate the religious holidays. So give it an all-inclusive country we could be in. See, this is why Dane gets into politics. Yeah, yeah. And this is why. He's a very political man. <laughs> you know? But uh, but but He's no got things to say. But pies weren't very good. I, we said on a math science. So if I was a, we could explain to Chris what math science is. It's our gambling podcast. We gambling. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I basically without back picking, I picked the lines. I figured. They were going to win. They were two bucks too, which was nice. But um, Brisbane are very good up there. They're, they they're, they're horrific everywhere else. They they yeah, it's the hard track. I reckon it's the fast track they're yeah. used to. Like if you if you if, if you think about it, if you watch very closely now, you watch Brisbane and Gold Coast play down here. When they play down here, they can't keep their feet. Oh. And when they play in the Melbourne, they play the MCG right. or Marvel, they are falling over everywhere because of the surfaces. Yep. They're not used to the surfaces. I know when we used to play down here, I used to wear screw-ins pretty much most of the time. MCG or Marvel wear screw-ins because we were just used to wearing moulded soles up there and you could turn really, really quickly. But, yeah, Brisbane are very good up there. And what they, I reckon what they like too, they like that manic football. Yeah. And when, it, when they're in destruction, I reckon they're poor. 
They don't know what to do. They go into their shells. But they just want things fast, quick. They're a bit like Richmond. That's how Richmond like to play as well. But, no, it was a good game. Uh, Charlie was uh, not too bad. Fair step uh, on him, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah. good. That was a good move by uh, I thought Fags with yeah. Reagan. Uh, well, he's a match forward. winner. No point hiding him enough. No point hiding him enough back. Um, he's very good. He's hopefully burst on. You know, he's been looking like he's going to rip the game apart. You know, his consistency is probably the one thing that. Well, he plays a lot every week. He's an yeah. All Australian. And he mm. helps Brisbane go from. Yeah. You know, just a side of wins at home to maybe a chance. Well, in his else. junior years at Western Jets, he was a full forward. He was okay. a full forward coming out and pinch hit in the middle of the ground. And he was, he was one of those forwards that were just dominating the competition, yeah. and they just get it into him really quickly. So, I think it was probably. I reckon they need to start working. I don't know about you, Swanee, but um, obviously Daniel Rich didn't play on uh, on yeah. Thursday night, but. The question is, who's going to replace Daniel Rich? He's obviously coming to the back end, so they're looking for a good user yeah. coming out of the back half. You've got Kitty Coleman there, but uh, obviously he's not the brunt. He's more of a sort of running half back. Yeah. Um, so I reckon they're starting to plan for Richie retiring maybe in the next year or two. Where, yeah. where do you sit with Joe Danaher? Because everyone's had their two bobs worth. Look, I love Joe. I yeah. love him. Um, had a lot to do with him in his younger years uh, through the AOS Academy okay. um, and, and knew the type of player he was when he went to Essendon. Uh, but I think at the moment, I just what I want to see from Joe is just his competitive. I know he can compete in the air. Um, sometimes he jumps too early. Sometimes he doesn't lower the eyes a little bit. But I think that's with every play. If you went through every play and dissected every play like that, Swanee, I reckon you could actually see when they don't compete, when they don't lower the eyes, when they burn somebody. So when you're under the microscope, a lot more goes on you. But I, but I enjoy him. Um, should, I he think be, should he be judged against the Camerons and Kernos and Mackays? Because is, is he on that level, or is shouldn't he should be judged against the next rung because he's not he's just simply not as good as them. I reckon he I reckon he is as good as them, but he's just not hasn't got that mental attitude at the moment. So for me, I, I don't see him coming up the ball at a lot. He always wants it over the back. Yeah. So until he can actually start coming at the ball like a Kernow and like a um, you know like the other big guys, the big forwards in the competition, he, he won't get rated next to them. So he's, or he certainly sits underneath him. But the whole Hipwood. Danaher role, how's that working for the Brisbane Lions at the moment? It's not working for them, is it? No. It's They're not kicking bags of goals each. Obviously, Eric has signed a massive contract, um, you know, five-year deal, I think it was. So, um, But he does... He does frustrate, I think, not just me, but he frustrates the best of us, uh, you know, just football watchers, I think, at various times. And then... Uh, Probably you you're playing with centre half back. Centre half back, yeah. You, you lose by ten then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he banned the media afterwards, so he wouldn't talk to anyone afterwards. So um, after everyone had come out and had a lot of chat about him, but that's good on him if he feels yeah. like that. He doesn't have to talk to him. No, not at all. Uh, you actually touched on something from that game. Now you're not in the social media mud. That Dane swims in it. Right? Does. <laughs> But he bathes in it. I, I just watch reels that uh, golf reels. That's all. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone, everyone's now a director, and everyone wants to make their own clip. And that's fair enough. I do too. But but Nick Dacos, uh, one tiny clip comes out, and, and then apparently he's, he's not hard and genuine or something. Oh, Dane. fuck me, please. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, surely I was seventeen clubs would like to have him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's when you're that good. Everyone just comes for you, don't they? Oh, They're exactly. trying to look for flaws rather than looking on the the, mm, the, yeah. the stuff that you do so well. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Because um, he's had, you know, he's, the things leading the coaches' votes after what is it, four rounds. So we always, he's definitely been the All Australian side. Um, maybe I was just trying to get a quick handball out. <laughs> 
That's wow. it. <laughs> um, hope we've all done that. Trying to get an extra He's, stat, mate. I, I did see out. him last week. I don't know whether you've seen. He, he, um, <laughs> first time I've seen Nick shit himself <laughs> at AFL football was when he tackled Morris, Morris Jr. Yeah. Uh, for Richmond, and then Morris turned around and grabbed him by the jumper. <laughs> Nick just went, hey, 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 I'm not, I'm not involved in this. That, I thought that was quite funny. Well, well Morris Sr. could go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. But what, what, a, what a super, uh, you know, the whole family. Like, that's just great. Peter Dacos, I grew up watching yeah. him and... Uh, um, you know, both brothers, mate, they're doing fantastic. Uh, you know, if you could have their start to their career uh, if, uh, as an AFL football, you'd take it. There's women day. lining up for Peter's services. They want him to start. Uh, <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed <laughs> footballer. Exactly. I think the <laughs> Dolphin have just bought him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you've been in the space since your great career about uh, a junior footy. A, 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 are the elite kids better prepared now? Because oh, they sure. seem to be just hitting the ground running. Uh, Sheasel and obviously uh, Marcus oh. Ashcroft's son, so it's all... Oh, the game's just changed. The game's yeah. changed so much, Ralphie. It's just fast, it's quick, decision It's not physical making. anymore, is it? So, it's not, so the nah. young kids don't really get well, pushed around a bit. Now, they play off half bay. They play in spots where no one plays on them anyway. Well, the whole thing now, the, like Lee used to say to us, and I hope I'm not getting Lee into trouble here or putting a bit of a shade on him, but but Lee used to say to us, the only way, obviously, what type of player he was, he, you know, yes. in his era, uh, you know, you could whack blokes when, you know, sort of behind the play mm. and all those type of things. But he used to say to us, the only way you can sort of hurt an opposition now is tackle and dump. Um, yeah. You know, through area, and that, yep. and that's what we sort of prided ourselves on is you know making sure we could wrap people in the tackle and dumping. And now it seems to be that I think I don't know about you, Swanee, but it seems to be when you get tackled now, there's not so many so many blokes fighting through the tackle. Yeah. Uh, they just go limp, and then that's why we see I reckon some of these sling tackles happening, right. all these head tackles are starting to happen. So yeah, it has gone a bit soft the game in terms of that yeah. style, but it's made it's made it more I guess more inviting for people that aren't that way inclined like yourself and me. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thrived in today's game. From West Meadows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had to, uh, uh, yeah, you, you had to like take about 10 mates down yeah. the old Brody pub, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <No>. And Jakarta. <laughs> well, you opened the door with, there with Lee about six weeks ago, Dermot Breton's hat where you're sitting, and uh, he started talking about Lee, but he did it in a in a in his own in Lee's type of voice. And I said, I, th- I think the full list of people in Australia who would talk like that about Lee is just Dermot Burton. <laughs> so what was he like? As uh, Derm uh, knew him as a teammate, but as as a coach. Look, Lee was Lee was quite interesting. He was great for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, my career when he got there was probably at a crossroads. So um, I was a small forward that turned into he turned me into a defender. Um, in '96, when I was at Fitzroy, Mick, Nick, Mick Noonan done the same thing, turned me into a small forward to a defender, and then once we went to the merge, I become a small forward again under uh, under John Northey. And then when Lee came back, he had me for there for about a year or two, and then turned me back to a defender. Um, he was great for me. He made the game very, very simple. Um, you know, most defenders are failed forwards, and so I was a failed forward. <laughs> if you want to call 21 goals, uh, leading goal kick at Fitzroy, <laughs> that's that's a stat I love. <laughs> Um, But no, he was a great coach Early on he was that um, You know, rant and rave type coach Um, And then he got a guy in of the name of Phil Jaunty, a sports psychologist uh, who used to look after the Australian cricket team and um, and he sort of uh, helped Lee on how to communicate with us as players and, and how players communicate with each other and how we communicated with Lee as well. So he, he put us into this mould of all these different, 
we've done some tests, Swanee. Like, you would have been great at it. You, you would have just answered all the wrong questions yeah. just to fuck the whole system up. <laughs> <laughs> so we had all these different things, mozzie thinkers, enforcers, feelers, and all these type of things. And so we got categorised in all these things. And I think that's what helped Lee. Lee... Lee used to rant and rave after we got beaten after a game and uh, and then once Phil came on and started explaining things to him a bit better that he was saying things after a game that he didn't really want to say or he didn't or he regretted later on. So after a game, if we lost, Lee would actually just go through the next week yep. and actually say, this is the recovery process. No going out tonight, boys. <laughs> <laughs> no grog, six-day six day break. So we all go around to someone's house <laughs> and have a few beers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> not go out, not be seen. Absolutely. <laughs> Seems um, smart. And then, um, and then from there, we would uh, he would uh, then sort of look at the vision and then Tuesday meetings, Swanee, fuck me, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd have about 20 clips and you're just hoping you're not on so one of those. As soon as you can't go, fuck, I'm in that one. Damn. <laughs> I <laughs> remember that one. <laughs> nothing better when you're sitting on the bench, you sit up and then just be real happy with yourself that you're on the bench. Uh, yeah, fuck, we've got having a lot of that all the time too. Did, did Mick have a two or three day cooling off system before he'd give direct feedback? Uh, no, Mick had about three or day, two or three day heating system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, he'd go off from straight after the game till probably the review on the the Monday or the Tuesday, whatever it was. Yeah, Mick didn't. Um, some while, every now and then he'd be like, "Boys, he doesn't want to talk to you," and that's when he knew, oh, fuck, <laughs> things are bad. Yeah, that was bad. But um, and then Mick probably a little bit like he would tell you, you know, on certain terms whether you're going good or not. So the comparison that Dade said about w- with Mick that, that uh, he would be very very direct and forceful to people that he actually cared about, and yeah, you know, particularly early doors when, when you're young, did, was Lee a bit like that? I think Lee Lee was more sorry, actually, sorry not cared about rated, rated yeah yeah. Thing. Well, sometimes you know you could be you could be Michael Voss and be in the twenty two, right? This yeah. is the thing about Lee. You be in the twenty two and be Michael Voss, and you know Lee would talk to you, and then if if Vossie was out injured. Lee wouldn't talk to Vossie. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. talk. Wouldn't talk. So if you weren't in his twenty-two, yes. he actually wouldn't wouldn't talk to you. Uh, right. not, not that it, not that he'd done it deliberately, yeah. but he, he just was all caught up in the game and what was ahead and everything else. So he just didn't talk to you. Yeah. Um, he didn't do it deliberately. I don't think. I think he was just caught up in the moment. But I actually um, now that obviously he's, I don't know about you with with Mick Swanee, but now that you see Lee in person, uh, you know he's a different person. Uh, he's so more relaxed. Oh, you can have yeah. a little bit more conversation with him as well. Like I seen him at the game against um, Richmond and uh, uh, the Bulldogs this week, and uh, we're sitting in the media centre, and he was he was just watching races. He was watching races. <laughs> so I went and sat with him for about a few minutes, and uh, he was telling me about all the horses. and yeah. And normally, as a coach uh, uh, coach player relationship, he wouldn't have done that. He would have been right. straight bang straight in the footy. Oh, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, this matchup. How do you think about this training schedule and all this type of stuff? So it's actually good to. Uh, good to see him relax a little bit and see the real side of Lee Matthews. So before it all came good, because you talked about Fitzroy, and, and Dane <laughs> weekly talks about how he's, he's the Dane Swan Foundation plays at all these Fitzroy. small small clubs. Yeah, uh, what, what was Fitzroy the last suburban footy club? Oh, I, I think so. Um, we had uh, so my first year we were at Lakeside Oval. Yeah. Uh, so I was still working then. So I was doing an apprenticeship, a painting and decorating apprenticeships with Higgins Coding at that stage. I was you're going a bit quick here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was seventeen. I was seventeen yeah. at the time. So I got picked up when I was seventeen. So I was still left didn't school. Have, left school. Um, school didn't like me. I didn't like school. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> left Aaronback Secondary College. Well, that's not best there anymore, thing, is it? Best, best thing they've done. <laughs> Knocked it down. <laughs> Took all my school memories away from me. Um, the um, 
yeah, it's yeah, it was. Um, it was tough times at Fitzroy, it really was. Uh, I remember rocking up to uh, games, uh, not games, training, sorry, at Lakeside Oval and having TV cameras at the front all the time. Oh, you're use use done. Uh, how's it feel about playing the last game this week? All these types of... So they went for a three-year period. So from 17 right up until I was 19, we were under scrutiny every year whether we were going to play or and what was going to happen to us. And then it was... It was really, really uh, tough times when we moved to Coburg. Um, you knew, you knew that we were in trouble. <laughs> you fucked me up from Lakeside to Coburg. <laughs> oh, no. You knew you were in trouble when, uh, when we're having functions with the Coburg Football Club together, uh, trying to raise money, and uh, then at the end of it, it ends up turning into a punch on Detroit versus Coburg Footy Club. And I knew a few of the guys playing at Coburg at the time because they'd played at Chicana and they went across to Coburg to try their luck at the VFL, and, and my mates were belting my other mates. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to be the peacemaker at one stage, but yeah, I think it was the last last scenes of a, of a sort of local football club. Like at Coburg, we would have on a Thursday night training, and that was back when you know training started at five five thirty. We would have at least twenty blokes sitting up on a hill, bring their portable barbecue eskies, so diehard supporters, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that were just coming along the training, have a sausage, have a steak, and then just bringing their own cans and drinking up on the hill. So <laughs> while we were training, and you know, there was there was guys like myself and. You know, Brad Boyd playing and, um, you know, Simon Hawking, the, all the eight guys that went up there as well. But, yeah, it was certainly the, the last part. And it was quite sad because, obviously, there was a lot of Fitzroy supporters that have now just walked away from the game completely and don't yeah. support anyone. So, um, you know, for me, now seeing so many other teams coming into the competition, conversations around yeah. Tasmania, you know, Port Adelaide's come in, Fremantle's come in, Gold Coast come in, GWS have all come in. You know, you could have almost saved Fitzroy or relocated them somewhere and, and the AFL could have backed that because I think the money that they're putting in at the moment to the Gold Coast and the and the Giants, um, they could have saved the club's history um, rather than it being merged. And, but obviously if the merge didn't happen, uh, I wouldn't be I'd be just a three-time wooden spooner not a three-time <laughs> premiership player. My favourite stat from that though is 1996 Fitzroy's last year you and Martin Pike played all 22 games and within a decade you both triple premiership. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought that was going to happen for you at the time walking off getting your ass kicked. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. I didn't think that was going to happen. Like, you know, premierships are always what you want and what you think. And, you know, being a Carlton supporter growing up, you know, seeing Carlton in the grand final yeah. quite a bit growing up, that's what you always wanted. The MCG, you know, I used to be one of those kids that sat up and watched the marathon uh, leading into grand final and all those type of things. But... Yeah, it was quite surreal. Uh, 2001, uh, Pike and I running out together through the banner <laughs> against Essendon in the grand final. So, obviously, he'd left uh, Fitzroy. He didn't go part of the merge. Brisbane didn't want him. He went to North Melbourne, won a premiership there. And did so, you he have a, did you have a choice to go to Brisbane or not? Uh, yeah, what? I had a choice. I had a choice whether I wanted to uh, go there or stay back. And um, I, uh, I decided I wanted to go. Um, First year there, so I wanted out. <laughs> I wanted out. I, I, I walked into uh, Shane Clayton's office uh, mid-season and said I wanted to trade. Um, he goes, yep, no worries, we'll trade you at the end of the year. Sat down, had a conversation with him. Uh, yep, yep, we're going to the trade table, we'll trade you. And it had, Scotty so Clayton, sorry. Scott Clayton's office? Scott, yeah. yeah, Scott yeah. Clayton's office. Um, so he was head of list management yep. at the time. And uh, he said, yeah, no worries, Jono, we'll trade you. And uh, as soon as the club started talking to us, he goes, nah, Jono's off the table. <laughs> no trade at all. So every day I see Scotty, I catch up with him uh, for dinner a couple of times a year with another group of friends. And I thank him every time. Yeah, <laughs> I see him, thanks really. for not trading me. But uh, had conversations with Collingwood, oh. Carlton, Essendon. Um, I was a North Melbourne junior as well. So our, our zone uh, was North Melbourne. 
Melbourne back in the day. Yep. Um, so I played North Melbourne schoolboys. I played an under-19s practice match there of the last year of the under-19s as well. So, um, you know, it was a chance to go there, uh, be listed there, but um, that wasn't to be. We, we had a guy called Ben Darwin come in late last year, and he was an ex-Wallaby, big on cohesion. He's, and it's fascinating stuff that he, he does. And if I, I look at... Uh, a list that says Ashcroft, the Scott brothers, Lappin, Hart, Power, White, Acker, Voss, McRae, Lepper, Lynch, Black, who all finished. This is part of the 1998 Wooden Spoon team. Yeah, correct. So correct. this is that's the difference when you're not actually when you haven't been together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so we, we were together for a long, long time. There was a couple of and the, the ones that were added were obviously Pikey from a premiership yep. and from another experience, um, Mel Michael as well. So that was Graham Allen's doing. He, he, he was a big believer in having a, having a list or having a team, but adding experience into it from other other uh, other teams. And he's still he's doing that now at Saints. You see yep. what he's doing at the Saints at the moment with his list management there. But yeah, you, you talk about the cohesion. Half of those guys, I think you mentioned, uh, you missed. You left out Leper there. Leper yep. would have been part of that team as well. So half of those guys have all come through the the NAB system, the TAC Cup or Coats Higher now they call it. <laughs> Coats Higher now. Coats Higher. Coats, Coats, Coats I think like it is. Yeah. So it's not it's not the other. Yeah. So most of those guys, apart from uh, I think uh, Vossi and uh, and Choppers, uh, wouldn't have come through that system. But they would have played at some stage at the national championships under 16s or Till Cup. As they called it back in the day. That's something else you got in common with Dane. Did you, when you got to the MCG, you couldn't stop getting it? That's his quote, by the way. Ingenious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't, well, couldn't get it at West Meadows or in the, for, the, for the cannons until we got to the finals. <laughs> what was your grand final experience in the juniors? Oh, in juniors at Jakarta, yeah. yeah, pretty good. No, no, as in when you at the uh, under 18s. Oh, under 18s. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was a good day for me uh, against <laughs> the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Jakarta uh, finals. Yeah, no, I had a lazy day, uh, grand final yeah. day. I kicked seven in the. F- in the second half, I think there it was. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Gibson kicked ten for the whole game. Uh, it took him four quarters to kick ten. I took me took me two quarters to kick go. seven. He got best on ground. I thought I was robbed. Um, but apparently that day, apparently that day, we kicked, we've kicked the highest score ever to be kicked on grand final day at the MCG. It was 31, 31 or something. There was no defending. That's why footy should be played. Western Jets will play it. Undefeated all year, Swatty. Oh, yeah. Undefeated all year, and we, we got over him, so um, it was a good day. So that wooden spoon side was before Lee Matthews walked in the door. So correct, correct, uh, correct. And was it was it standards or also natural evolution of a young team becoming a, a middle-aged and, and a mature team? I think it came back to maturity, but I think the other thing it came back to was... Lee, as I said before, Lee making it simple, making the game simple. Lee, Lee basically had this pyramid that he that he made it very, very simple around wins and losses. Uh, you know, uh, and he, he spoke about the top of the pyramid was obviously the top two teams. Um, so we needed to finish either first or second to get the double home yeah. uh, finals. And then he broke it down in terms of season and how many wins. He, he sort of averaged it out to about 11 or 12 wins a year. We have 11 or 12 games at the Gabba a year. So he said if we can win every game at the Gabba and pinch one or two away, we're going to make finals. Um, and that's the way. It was very simple, very simple. <laughs> and then and then within the game plan, he made it simple and just worked on percentages. Um, you know, basically uh, low risk, low, uh, you know, low risk, high reward, uh, you know, high risk, low reward. Um, and basically just use those terminologies around how we would uh, approach our game. Like for me, for example, kicking in, he just spoke to me around, you know, low percentages, John. Don't try and, you know, 
split five, uh, one of your players between five opposition players, just go long and wide, and that's all I did. So if you look back and see some of my kick-ins, they're all long and wide, and they're always to either a 1v2, um, so that gives us the percentages. And then then obviously going forward, there's a percentage that, you know, if you come in the corridor, it's, it's a high... It's a high reward, but it's a high risk. If you turn it over, you're all you're all done and you're all over. So that's how we basically brought it down to us: is you know around low percentages um, and the high risk of it all. What um, and but also that, that would be a greater risk if if when it hits the pack and then there's Voss, Lappin, yeah. Power, <laughs> Well, if it bleeds, you can kill it. There's yeah. no, there's no yeah. the the fail against oh, Essendon. That who, was funny. Yeah, the Essendon side who were. That was your first. That was your first one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a year of oh oh one oh yeah. one. Uh, Essendon were dom. Remember they had the they won the premiership the year before. Yeah. They were on that winning streak, and everyone was just thinking that the, the dogs got it, didn't they? With the flood, yeah, yeah, yeah two thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was two thousand, yeah. And then yeah, so everyone thought that Essendon were the team that you couldn't beat and everything yeah. else. And then we walked into a meeting and. It was quite funny. Lee started talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Predator, and we're going, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> What's he talking about? And um, and uh, he started going around. He goes, oh, I watched this movie the other night, and, you know, it's a Predator, and he was he was hunting this alien, and he, he, he couldn't work out how to kill the alien, and no one else could work it out, but then he worked out it could bleed. So he knew it could be killed. Yeah. And he goes, I reckon Essen's like that. I reckon they, they bled last week or whatever. Something yeah. happened during the year. And he goes, I reckon they're bleeding at the moment. They can be killed and I reckon we can kill them. Um, and, and he talked about a lot of things like that. He talked about the, the lion and the wildebeest and all those type <laughs> of things. And, you know, because we obviously our, our symbol was the lion and, and we always need to be uh, the, the hunter. Uh, rather than be the hunted, um, but he came up with a lot of terminologies. But certainly, the when the um, when the film clip came up with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> on the big screen in our meeting room, we uh, we, we said, "Well, shit, where's he going with this?" But uh, it worked. It worked, and that's what clubs do, and that's what coaches do. Yeah. They just look for that little bit of piece uh, that motivate your team and actually get you motivated to go out and actually believe uh, in the system that he's trying to sell. And I think what. Clarkson do a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of years ago. Was it something around the shark? There wasn't there something around a shark or oh, something. Oh no, that was against Geelong. That was his first. Yeah, yeah. Because the shark has to yeah has to keep moving forward, so yeah. we can smash it and make it yeah, stop moving yeah. forward. It was along those lines. Yeah, yeah fucking weird those coaches. <laughs> <laughs> they are, you got to be a lunatic to be an AFL coach. You do. Yeah, they're, they're not well. I was in the system for a little while. I was coaching, and you know it was good at the time because you still got that mateship and everything yeah. else. But but the work that they've got to do behind the scenes is just crazy. <laughs> it's just. Crazy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So you've... Well, from that group, a lot of coaches have come out. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you think Craig McRae would have the impact? And obviously, Vossi's a coach. Lepper, 
Scott well, Brothers. Yeah, Scott yeah. Brothers is like. Well, you know when you know when you have those team meetings, Swanee, that you know there's certain players that talk up and, and make those, s- those meetings would have went for four hours <laughs> if everyone got their job, and, and they make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, they're, yeah, they're obviously you know what pathway they're going on. Um, look, fly fly for himself. He's been working really really hard, you know, to see what he's doing now. And I, I mentioned to him, I done an interview with him on seven. Uh, I think uh, I think it might have been round seven or eight last year, and I said, you know, you're making Collingwood haters love you now <laughs> because of you. Um, and so Fly's pathway has been pretty good, which hasn't been spoken about a lot. Everyone's spoken about his Richmond days uh, at VFL level and then gone through and obviously started at Collingwood. But he, he started straight away. As soon as he finished at, uh, retired with the Lions, he started coaching uh, AFL Queensland under-18s in the National oh. 18 Championship. Yeah. So, so he's been coaching for a long time, so it was no surprise to me. Um, and he took that pathway, and you've seen what he was able to do and change the mindset. And, look, uh, we talk about a lot, but Fly... Around the club rooms as a teammate uh, was was fantastic. He kept everyone motivated, kept everyone fun. Uh, you know him and uh, him and Vossi would be talking all year around Mad Monday how they, yeah. how are things going to run. <laughs> they had a whole run sheet and everything. He went to one length at one. Him and Vossi went to one uh, length at one stage. We had Mad Monday at a pub. It had no TAB. Sorry. Yeah. Wow, what are they doing? <laughs> so what they did, they recorded a whole heap of uh, uh, dog races, and and they'd done their own. They knew who the winners were. <laughs> yeah, they'd done their own book. So, so yeah, they'd done yeah. their own book, and uh, and all the winnings and proceeds went to back to the footy trip. And yeah. obviously, I don't know how they worked it, but they made a fair bit of money on the day. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how far they went. And uh, no, they 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 were good guys. So uh, one word you said there is that underrated footy clubs fun. Oh, bloody oath. You've got to have fun. You've got to have fun. And th- th- that was the thing around uh, the Phil Jauncey stuff is that, you know, I, I was a mozzie thinker, so that means, you know, if I think too much, I'm fucked. <laughs> so I've just got to, I've just got to go. Ricky, you nailed me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically there was myself, Justin Lepage, Fly was part of that group. Uh, there was a few of us part of that group. And we were told that, you know, if, if you fit the same profile – Go and hang out with each other during the game, before the game, at quarter time, hard, all that type of stuff, and then get into your groups or whatever. Yeah. So you know, we would hang out, and so you'd be, you'd see us stickheads in the corner mucking around, <laughs> joking, going through the free record, yeah. talking shit about you know who's in there and all that type of stuff, and then you'd have all the other guys just sitting there stressing out about the game, going, <laughs> yeah. out, Tim nodding, throwing up in the corner yeah. because his anxiety is <laughs> too high. Um, so I think I think that's that's what it's about. It's about knowing because everyone's not the everyone's not like that. Like I go to junior footy now and and especially in the in the in the talent system but even just like school footy and stuff like that and they have this music just blaring this doof yeah. doof music and not everyone wants that yeah. um you know i like the headphones you know if players have got headphones on that way they can listen to their music and chill out and uh you know it's just crazy i don't know how how you can get motivated for football <laughs> listen to doof doof music i just <laughs> don't understand it nightclub five in the morning yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly were you a music guy uh I was probably early on just because everyone else was doing it. And I was like, but then in the end I was like, no, nah, I'd rather just fucking sit there and talk or just, just float around. No, nah, but I wasn't. I, I was, I'd, we'd have like our own little speaker and just have it low in the room. So everyone else who wanted to listen to their own shit would have their headphones on. We'd just sit there and just talk. I was a mozzie. Mozzie, yeah, <laughs> yeah mozzie. There's a few of us who were mozzies, yeah. We just, so we wouldn't talk about footy. We'd talk about what we're doing tonight, fucking footy, where we're going on a footy trip. Fucking, what's it, you know, we just talk about Life yeah. generally until you know the siren when there was a fuck. Okay, we need to switch on. And, and what, what were you like pre-game? Yeah. yeah. 
Pre-game, yeah, nah, same, same. Yeah. Talk about everything else, bar football. Yeah, um, we had, we had Ian Healy come talk to us uh, one time, which motivated us all, and it was all around this profiling and the way you think and everything as well. And he said to him, as a as a wicketkeeper, he couldn't be on like on a Test match. He couldn't yeah. be on for every second of the day, so he needed to switch off. And all he needed to be on is when Warney was bowling the yes. ball down. He needed <laughs> to be on for five seconds, and then for the next next sort of you know. 200 seconds, he needed to switch off out of the game and think about every, uh, something else. But, yeah, I was I was like that too, mate. I was just like, yeah, yeah. what else will we do? What's happening on the weekend? Or where are we going exactly. tonight? Or, you know, what's going on next weekend? Where exactly. are you going away? I think uh, you need to. I think you can overthink the game. It's a pretty simple game, footy. <laughs> it well, is. <laughs> and coaches overcoach it because that's what they get paid to do. There's yep. a million coaches and they get paid to have their fucking two bobs worth. So, everyone, you have all the meetings during the week and you get overcoached and – Football's the mozzie brain can only take in so much <laughs> shit. So you, you sit there for about half an hour and go, right, I've got this. And then, mate, an hour and a half later, like, but I forgot what the fucking first half of this meeting was about. <laughs> so you get so many meetings, you know, you got division, you got your fucking your match review, then you got your match preview, then you got your divisional coat, then you got your full <laughs> one with your coach. You got just got coaching everywhere. And then by the time you get to the game, like I would say, not many people pay attention in the in the pregame. Address because all the shit, all the meetings being done during the week. Like you, most bikes are sitting there thinking about themselves in that in the hour before the game. They're all sitting there going, "Fuck, I this is what I need." Not thinking about the team or thinking about it's just what you do. But um, I think yeah. So that's why I tried not to think about footy until I had to, which was when the siren went. <laughs> like you can over. That's fine. You know what they say in finals: try not to overthink it. Try, exactly. So why would you try and uh, why would you why would you try and overthink? A fucking round five game at, at BMCG and pissed down around. Why would you overthink that game? If you're not overthinking the most important games of the year, why would you be any different to the least important games of the year? So that's I was just tried to think about it until I fucking needed to, which is when the ball went up. Like, thinking about an hour and a half before the game wasn't helping me get a, get a touch like when the ball first went up. It just wasn't. And the other, the other thing with that too is that they're conditioned now. The kids are conditioned coming through juniors, yeah. coming through the, the under-18 talent program. They've got five coaches as well that have five meetings. So <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. All, it's all, and they're saying it's preparing a bit. Yeah. People walk into meetings with pens and papers and like, what the fuck are you doing now? <laughs> what the fuck's everyone writing now? It's, like, it's up on the board. Is that filtered down to security? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But my job is to go out and get it. What's my job? Not yeah, that hard. Yeah, my job's going to get it 50 times. As much as I could. That was my job. That's all I need to see. I'm off. Yeah, that's it. So uh, so when Craig got appointed at uh, at Collingwood, it was one of those, yeah, it makes sense, but he was a surprise appointment. So why do you think that, that it resonated so well? Yeah, look, I think I think his connections. Uh, so Fly's got a, a school teacher background. Yep. Um, his connections to people and his ability to connect people back to the cause. I think that's what it was. And I think, you know, just going from, you know, being with him through his career and, you know, I was quite lucky enough that, uh, you know, two was next to three and four. So I had those oh, two nice, guys yeah. right next to me. You had to put up with uh, Desi Edlin, Richard Champion <laughs> and uh, Blake Carousello at number one from time to time. But those, those guys were pretty good. But I, 
I think what it, what it was, it was just around Fly is a genuine good person yeah. um, and cares about people. And uh, yes, as a coach, wins and losses are, 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 are the end thing at the end of the day. But I think as a person, he cares about people. Um, and you, you, you know, I don't think he's ever been suspended before yeah. or he's never been, you know, you, you never heard Fly abuse the umpire <laughs> like a few of my other teammates. Uh, so I think it just made sense that, you know, he'd done the apprenticeship for a long, long time. He'd probably done maybe an eight to seven year apprenticeship, you know, through the through the under eighteen system into reserve coaching or development coaching uh, at uh, Collingwood and then to Richmond and then back to Collingwood. So it sort of made sense and um, good mate of mine, Xavier Clark, was underneath him for a fair while when he was at Richmond and, and was saying good things that because I didn't know Fly as a coach and didn't know how he went about it and uh, some of the good things that uh, X was saying that uh, you know Fly is a, a, a senior coach just ready to get his opportunity and his opportunity come but um, for such a big club to go with a guy that's uh, you know not a Brownlow yeah, medalist uh, or yeah, one, yeah. yeah um, you know so he's um, He's been fantastic, and I think he's been a new light to mm-hmm. AFL football as well. I think uh, the media love him. He goes in and you know goes in the studios and you know talks with people. Most coaches probably just do it over the yeah. phone. He's yeah. actually trying to be, and I think he, he feels that he's got a responsibility. And, and you got to remember the responsibility that we had in Brisbane that we had to sell the game to Queenslanders. And I think he feels the same way that he's got a responsibility. Yes, he's got to sell it to the Collingwood Football Club, but he wants the the AFL general public to love the game as well and the brand they're playing at the moment it's a great brand to watch um, you know I've, I've, I've taken a close look at them because of Fly and, and watched them because of Fly and, and I love watching Collingwood now where if you had asked me a few years ago <laughs> Swanee, um, you know the general thing you would have said oh yeah Collingwood Collingwood but uh, you know there was you know him and, and you know still seen Steel there as well it's, it was fantastic to watch them and the way they've gone about it and you know, I thought they were a little bit unlucky last year uh, up in uh, up in Sydney. I thought they probably should have gone through and won that. Should have been uh, in the grand final for mm, sure. Mm. And I don't think it's re- it's not far around the corner. And and you know that's a philosophy that I've had around sort of uh, you know premierships and stuff like that. Is that or being part of a grand final day is that you just got to keep knocking on the door. And and how do you motivate a team once there's a disappointment there? How do you motivate them to come back uh, bigger and better and wanting still to achieve a grand final and being hungry? And I think flies the man to do that for the pies. Do we know why we call him Fly? Mr. McRae. Do you know why, do you know why his nickname's Fly? Just, he's little. Just little? Okay, yeah, I yeah. thought he was just little. <laughs> yeah. I call him Mr. McRae. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, he's the school teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Actually, you just made me think that, uh, so like Alison Clarkson and many, many other school teachers that have, you know, become great coaches, but you, you automatically think of a school teacher talking your <coughs> way through things, but sometimes one of the skill sets in being a good school teacher is dealing with fucking idiots. So <laughs> <I suppose. laughs> as, a, as a coach, you can have to deal with the worst as well as the best, don't you? You do, you do. And you've got to, it's almost, uh, you know, it's like your kids. Uh, you know, I've got four kids myself. And you can't treat them all the same, but you, you want to give them the same penalties and stuff mm. like that. So um, it's probably a bit the same as well. Um, and when you've had so much experience with young kids. I think what Fly has had, he's had experience with young kids, not just young adults. He's been able to work his way through that and he'd have a lot of sort of scenarios that he can lean on. So Fossey's the... um Almost the outlier was Lee as far as great players who, who then also became a great coach. A lot of great players didn't become a great coach, but Fossey's getting his second chance... In the real world, in business, it's beauty. That person's had that experience. He's going to be better again second time round. But footy's taken a while to embrace that, haven't they? It has, it has. And I think Vossi was that, um, how would you say it? He was that uh, obvious choice uh, to go in and come and coach 
uh, Brisbane. And, um, you know, I think he went into it with a different mindset. And I think now going away, being at Port Adelaide, he's seen how other coaches work and, you know, he's been able to see that where he, he came he came from playing, uh, you know, being the, the, the mortal he was, um, straight into the media, then back into coaching straight away and where he probably didn't understand what it took to be a senior coach. Now he's able to watch and learn from others and now he's he's got people around him. And I think at one stage... Vossi thought that he had to do it all um, yep. at Brisbane, and I think he, you've got to realise that now, as a senior coach, you sit back and you tell your troops to do everything. Uh, well, that's what Buck, that's what Bucks did. Mm. Probably the the absolute greats of the game, the legends of the game, probably probably think that probably take on too much. Where all, all the other great coaches seem to be the ones who just eked out a career, like your Clarksons, Craig, or Craig McCall obviously had a great career, but like not the you wouldn't, you wouldn't say they're the greatest mm. of all time. James where the Hayfie, yeah, where yeah. the Bucks and Voss molder like I'm fucking doing all this. Everyone needs to hear what I have to say because I'm the I'm the goat. So maybe it's maybe it's an ego thing. But well, it's, um, it's why I look at it is that like with football as a as a player, the harder you work, the harder you train, the harder you do this, the harder you do that, the more <coughs> results you're going to get. And I reckon coaching's different. I reckon that's what yeah. what they would have thought because you know those two they obviously played at young young football together at at Brisbane mm-hmm. and then you know they just thought oh the harder I work the luckier I get and I think they probably took that into coaching that's that's interesting to hear that about Bucks mm-hmm. done the same thing so yeah and then he obviously was going to be sacked and then he started to realise that he needed to, to delegate and fucking nearly pinched the flag you know what mm-hmm. I mean so but early on it was like yeah he'd come in and grant like overtake forwards meetings and like just. Do it all and probably was burning out because he was just probably mm. doing too much and spending too much energy and trying to fix everything and not fucking giving you assistance who you're paying to do a certain job a go. And then obviously it nearly cost him his career and then he found a way to delegate and lean on everyone else and then nearly won a flag and then got sacked anyway, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he's fitted well in the media. Yeah, no, no, he's he's pretty, he's hopefully he stays so there. <laughs> like you were saying earlier about coaches that, Fucking send you mad and like you just become too intense becoming a senior coach because you can never be off and never relax because he's a senior coach and you fucking Fruit Loop. So <laughs> um, hopefully he stays in the media where he's nice and relaxed. Has Chris Chris got been able to stay stay normal because he appears that way from the yeah, outside? Yeah. Been an amazing career. I think so. I think so. Look, oh, look, I don't talk to these guys regularly, but yeah. uh, you know we'll talk every now and then. And obviously my role with Seven, I get to see him a bit out in the ground and and get to see him around the traps. But um, I think Chris Chris at the moment he is certainly you know walked into a great side and then sort of struggled along the way and got his premiership last year. But but. I think the way they the, the the way all these guys talk and the way I hear them in their press conferences is is almost a similar um, you know it's almost like I'm looking at Lee or I'm I'm looking at them but I'm hearing Lee at the same time so their philosophies and everything has certainly come through there and and that's why a lot of people want to coach is because they have a good experience through a coach yeah. that has coached them before so. Um, I think Chris at the moment is uh, certainly, uh, you know, they've won their first game on the weekend. Um, but I think the way he's been able, he's been able to do it in a different sense to what Fly has. Fly's got a younger group where they pro- he probably needs them there every day, uh, talking to them, seeing how they're going. <coughs> where I reckon Chris has taken the best approach yeah. that you and I would have loved. I would have loved it. <laughs> you loved and I would have loved Just come in and do what you need to do, then get the fuck out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and the lifestyle down there suits all them. And yeah. I don't know whether I'd be surfing in this time of the year, oh, but, uh, no, <laughs> but you know, they've got diff- they've got lifestyles, yes. uh, which is great, and that's they're able to do that up there. And I think. 
think I think you have to be really, really careful on which players uh, are allowed to do that, um, allowed to go away and, and do what they want to do and maybe have two days off instead of the one day off. And I guess that's how you get longevity out of some of your older players um, and keep them motivated because... Again, if it's if it's just a groundhog day every day, yeah. lose motivation, don't want to be there. And I think he's been able to change that and flip that. And obviously he's got Nigel down there as well to support him with that. Um, he's had a few other uh, Brisbane people down there as well. He had Blake Carousella down there at one stage as well. So um, he took a lot of our medical staff uh, from the Brisbane days as well down yep. there in Peter Stanton. Um, I know he's the conditioning uh, person down there as well. He's down there that was part of the, the lines, was serving underneath a... Craig Stasovic, another Collingwood champion yeah. and Premiership Brisbane Lions AFLW Premiership coach now, uh, Stas, um, has taken him down there as well. Not Stas, but um, oh, I've forgotten the guy's name, Murph. I oh, know his nickname. <laughs> his nickname, Murph. So he's down there too. So I think I think he's starting to understand and, um, you know, Lee was a little bit like that as well and we were probably coming into that era where it was sort of starting to become professional where we are there almost five days a week and having only the one day off and being there from sort of nine in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon. So, Crazy. Um, yeah, it's madness. <laughs> uh, a couple to finish with about, you say whatever you like about blokes that you, you've crossed paths with. <laughs> Doug, Doug Hawkins, you played a year with Doug. Dougie, I love Dougie. Uh, <laughs> Dougie was a ripper. Um, he said, John, I just, just, Take my man, can you? Because I played down back. <laughs> can you look after my man? Do you know I'm going for a run? <laughs> so, so you just go, yeah, no worries, Doug. I'm happy to do that. Uh, but nah, Dougie was a ripper. Uh, certainly, it was a great inclusion to us. We were a young group, and you know, obviously, you know, he didn't want to retire at the time. But uh, yeah, love Doug. Tell us more about Martin, Martin Pike. Mud guts, <laughs> mud guts. Uncle Martin, <laughs> Uncle Martin. We had this, uh, we had this uh, thing uh, with Uncle Martin, which was an idea of Fly and Bossies again. Um, for a first year player, you had a wheel, you had to spin the wheel, and uh, some one of those things on the wheel was spend an hour with Martin Pike, <laughs> Uncle Martin. So you can imagine what that was like oh, on Mad yeah. Monday. You had to, uh, you know, about ten schooners or whatever that looked like. Uh, now nah, Pikey was a ripper. Um, he come and stay with me for the first part of it uh, when he first moved up. Uh, I just picked his brain, obviously around his premiership at uh, North Melbourne, how that was, and I was just in awe of you know how they went about it and uh, how they achieved it. Um, and you know, Pikey was part of that mentor through the through the team around what it's like to win. A, he was the only guy in on the list that had won a premiership. Mm. So uh, he's a ripper, Pikey. He's out. He's a uh, union uh, delegate now, so he's out. Uh, you know, doing doing what he does best, and uh, you know, fighting for the union. <laughs> Get on him, fighting a good fight. Yeah, would you use the same four words with Dane about work hard, play hard? That yeah. Was his motto? <laughs> yeah, that was his motto. Yeah. He was uh, he, he was good. Loves his golf, Pikey. Uh, loves his golf, and uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen him in some uh, good scenarios and some not quite good scenarios, <laughs> but uh, he never got in trouble when I was with him. So I'll, I'll put that down to that. I looked after him a bit. Okay. Uh, Jace, yeah, Jace is a, a, a different character. Uh, certainly behind behind closed doors, there was a lot of talk about Jace on how uh, you know how he exited the club. And uh, look, one of the best uh, footballs, pound for pound, uh, Swanee, left and right foot. You didn't know, you didn't know which was what. Um, his speed was was electric. Um, you know the way he trained, uh, the way he prepared himself was was fantastic. But um, you know, certainly his football overweighs all the other stuff that uh, sort of gets. Spoken about him, but um, you was know, he an with, individual in a team sport? I don't say uh, that derogatory. Um, 
I, I think he may. Yeah, I think he yeah. may have been. Um, just in terms of his preparation, he done his preparation differently to a lot of other people. And look, the the, the thing with uh, with uh, with Acker that you know there was things said in the media, <coughs> and he would use the media to get certain things out, which which really didn't sit well with the football club yes. and the rest of the playing group. But um, you know, his football outweighs all of that. He was a superstar. You know, he, he we were good because of him at, at certain games. You know, we won games because of him. Um, you know, is he uh, welcome at the reunions? Is yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We, we have a lot of fun with Acker. Yeah. We actually take the piss out of Acker in yeah. front of him and he yeah. likes it too, yeah, okay. so, yeah. Yeah. which is good. Yeah, so that's right. So he's a kissed and made up. Yeah, him, right? yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's all good. It was a bit probably shaky there for a little while. Yeah. Um, but, um, but uh, no, he's, he's always fine. welcome back. He's, he's all good. I just wonder if, because you recently had your 10-year reunion mm. after 12 years. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like, 20 years would be better, wouldn't it, Jono? Because there's just that, any shit on the liver... Yeah, time, it's all gone. We've got one this year too, don't you? Yeah, we've got another this year. Well, we didn't have one in, uh, in obviously, 21 because yeah. of that fucking stupid COVID. virus, COVID yeah. and fucking shit. But uh, we all caught up uh, after the grand final this year. Um, so we invited, um, you know, the players, obviously, uh, any admin people, yeah. uh, any football, anyone part of the football department, a couple of trainers there, you know, medical people as well. We even t- I even took my kids along as well. So... Um, this year we have one in the bye uh, week uh, in August up in Brisbane, so nice. to celebrate the twenty year anniversary for the um, yeah. Actually, your kids would have been young when you finished playing, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. So uh, my eldest son, uh, Lachlan, was a uh, was born that year. Yep, in 01. Um, and then uh, Preston was born in oh four. Uh, which because yeah. Dane's obviously uh, often said, "Thank fuck he didn't have kids when he was playing." Cause he's now got three <laughs> little ones. <laughs> well, I think that settled me down, Sonny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, settled me down a bit. Uh, getting no married and all that. Yeah. So yeah, no, we um, yeah we had uh, we had all our kids up in Brisbane and um, yeah they, they they were around at the time uh, through those great times, uh, the two eldest ones. But uh, but yeah, the other, the other ones come a bit later. I've got a John O'Brien one to finish with here. So Chainsaw what, from your point of, point of view, what was John o, John O'Brien like as the young uh, young big dog? Brownie Brownie was a ripper, uh, warnable boy. So my, my my heritage, my grandmother's from down that way. Yeah. Haywood um, uh, ripper Brownie came in talking like he. Had uh, smoked a carton of cigarettes <laughs> at the age of seventeen. <laughs> uh, you know, played. Play, he was. He was one too. He played hard uh, on and off the field, and like we, we we all did at certain stages. But we knew when you know when we could let our hair down, and then yep. when we couldn't, and we had to sharpen up a bit. And the good thing in Queensland that no one knew who yeah, the exactly. fuck we were <laughs> whenever we went out. So it was great. It was great. It was perfect. Should have came up. So I know. Should have oh, came up. Loved it. You would have loved it. I took Fevin Stead. Look what happened there. <laughs> Surely. He would have been across you, um, but yeah, Brownie's a ripper, mate. He's, uh, you know, I think uh, as a young man uh, falling into that uh, key position, um, uh, forward position, and him just taking all that on his shoulders. He had Lynchy and, and Daniel Bradshaw yeah. around him, and and certain times uh, Whitey would float down there. Um, uh, but you know, for for someone of his sort of stature to come in as a young, talented uh, father son kid um, to come in and actually stand up and be probably one of the one of the greatest and half forwards ever or ever play like we don't really see a centre half forward anymore. He's probably the he was probably the last one of them yep. um, in terms of uh, playing that role. 
I just got something that uh, you, something else you got in common with, here with Dane. Uh, I'm reading this. Uh, although champion coach Lee Matthews ran a tight ship, there was one player who was always exempt from the low skin folds, as Jonathan Brown referred to it. Chris Johnson got married to lovely Vanessa one summer who has Italian heritage. The skin folds normally have to be 50 or 60. He came back and was 140. <laughs> Don't worry about extra body across the whole team. Jono was carrying an extra body across himself. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Lee had these rules. Your skinnies had to be below 60 back then. Lee would get up and say, you know my rules, boys. You can't play for the Brisbane Lions unless you're Skin folds are less than 60, except if your name's Chris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> true story, true story, true story. But mar- obviously being married to Vanessa, telling good good West Meadows girl as well. So went to school school together. Um, the thing was that, you know, uh, that, that, that is very, very true. But what would happen when we'd play down here, Swanee? We'd play down here and uh, mother-in-law still lives in West Meadows as well. Yeah. Um, she makes all our homemade pasta, sauces, all yeah. that type of stuff. Um, we'd play down here. I'd get to the airport and Vanessa would ring me on the way to the airport. Uh, uh, Mum's going to meet you there, this, that, and the other. She's got a bag full of food. and You know, skinnies are high. I'm getting these bags. Everyone's going, what's in the bag? I said, oh, food, you know. I've got to take it home for Vanessa and the kids. And and uh, Lee that one day asked asked me about it. And I said, oh, food, it's, I'll try the lasagna here. Take one home. And then after that, every time we'd go to the airport, my mother-in-law would bring a bag for me and a bag for Lee. So that's why I kept getting the game. So I did come back after our honeymoon after our honeymoon in 2000 I uh, came back at 144 <laughs> so. I've lost seven sites jeez uh, that's a good going yeah, not, yeah. not I haven't got there <laughs> 140 how long did it take to wear, get that down oh, uh, still trying mate <laughs> <laughs> but I had, I had all the tricks in the book I'd, I'd, I'd get in the ice, ice bath yeah moisturiser the whole lot the whole yeah, lot, yeah. The whole lot uh, try as much and I was very friendly with the dietitian yeah, absolutely and, and when it got turned on its head when it got turned on its head, when Lee actually called Vanessa in one day, <laughs> we had to go down and sit in a meeting with Lee, the dietitian, all the coaching staff <laughs> around my food plan and everything. Uh, we walked out of there and we started walking towards the car and Vanessa goes, don't you ever fucking put me through that again. <laughs> well, it worked out all right for you. Uh, yeah. Pretty fair uh, career. Good on you. Really appreciate you coming thanks, in. Thanks, mate. Chris uh, Johnson. All good, guys.